you are listening to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where you will get knowledge, training, resources, and support for better blood pressure control. If you are suffering with high blood pressure or blood pressure that is difficult to treat, this podcast is indeed for you. Here is your host, Dr. Tanya. I am Dr. Tanya, and I am here to teach you everything you ought to know about hypertension management. I am a clinical scientist, and I've done research over 10 years, and I've found some interesting things about hypertension and blood pressure control and medication-taking behavior. I would like to share with you all of the information I've found, as well as all the information that's out there that, that will help you get control of your blood pressure. Stick with me and we'll take this journey to help you improve your blood pressure. Thanks for listening. So what is your vitamin D level? Do you know? And how would you know if you're vitamin D deficient? And why would you even care about vitamin D deficiency? That's what I want to talk about today. So let's get to it. Vitamin D has been a hot topic, just especially lately, due to the new studies that have come out that have shown that it's a good chance that vitamin D may help prevent severe cases of COVID-19. So a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are talking about vitamin D. I want to share with you what some of the top experts are saying about vitamin D in their own words. But first, I will assume that you already know about vitamin D, some things anyway. I think you already know that vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin and that it usually is given with vitamin K too. And I think you already know that vitamin D is also a hormone And that it has many health benefits, too many to even name on this podcast for lack of time. But you will hear about some of the major benefits of vitamin D. You probably already know that some people think that vitamin D is worthless. But a lot of other experts, even medical doctors, have shown in their research, that vitamin D is necessary. It is necessary to have adequate levels of vitamin D to be healthy. Studies have even shown that it's necessary to have adequate vitamin D because it is effective against COVID-19. And there are hundreds of studies that have shown that Vitamin D is very important to prevent signs and symptoms of fibromyalgia, arthritis, preeclampsia, and many other diseases, and the list goes on. As one expert put it, while we're embracing the flu vaccine, perhaps we need to do what is easy, cheap, and effective to improve our health and protect us from severe COVID-19 symptoms and even could possibly prevent death from COVID-19. Some states are putting in place the system to 
deliver the COVID-19 vaccination. And some researchers are conducting additional research studies. I know there are two locations in Akshna Hospital in New Orleans if you want to participate in a research study regarding the vaccination testing. However, some, shall I call them trusted voices, who are experts and healthcare professionals have some reservations about recommending these studies are participating in the studies and even the vaccine at this point because we don't have enough data regarding the safety and the effectiveness of the vaccination. One trusted voice in particular is Dr. Keith C. Ferdinand, professor of medicine at Tulane University. He spoke out about this at the COVID-19 Health Task Force late September. And here is what he has to say about it. The, the idea of having the systems to deliver the vaccine are good, excellent, and appropriate. You cannot ask the trusted voices, and I would include myself as one, to hype a vaccine when you don't even know the phase three sample size and what were the complications that were seen. In 1976, Gerald Ford pushed out a swine flu vaccine. It was mass immunization. And Guillain-Barre, which is a type of paralysis, was then noted once the doggone thing was released. So the trusted voices will say to you, it's good that we're setting up these devices to deliver vaccine. I'm not going to tell my patients and my people in New Orleans to take the shot until you have that. Now, that's what I'm talking about. A patient advocate, a champion for patient safety. <laughs> that's the same way I feel about this. And I'll tell you, I've heard some other doctors express the same, the same concerns. According to the New England Journal of Medicine, more blacks are getting COVID than whites and more blacks are being hospitalized and even dying than whites. I know you already know about this. You probably already know that I'm trying to convince you to take action and consider vitamin D. You can get it from sunlight, supplements, and even some foods like salmon, wild-caught salmon, and sun-dried mushrooms have small amounts of vitamin D in it. But if you are truly deficient in vitamin D, like a level of less than 20, then getting vitamin D from your diet will probably not be enough to get your level up to 40 to 60. The only definitive way to know that you have you need vitamin D is to go get tested, which might not always be possible or really feasible. But you know you probably have a vitamin D deficiency if your muscle just ache. I mean, if you have back pain, if you have pain anywhere, basically, if you're losing hair, we can start from the head all the way down to the toes. And I'm telling you, I could tell you of symptoms that I've seen some patients have, and it has been resolved from just taking vitamin D. I'm just going to draw from my clinical experience right now. Patients have come in with anxiety, depression, but the list goes on. I mean, if you have bone pain, 
if you have a rash, psoriasis, or if you have foggy thinking, fatigue, weakness, growing pains. Some women have preeclampsia and all they need is just vitamin D. And the list goes on. Like I say, there are so many different symptoms that may be related to other diseases or other things. And I've seen vitamin D resolve fibromyalgia symptoms, Alzheimer's, dementia, just on and on and on. You can get a long list, this long list of benefits of vitamin D if you go to www.vitamindsociety.org backslash benefits and you'll see for yourself what I'm talking about. Dr. Fauci, everybody knows Dr. Anthony Fauci is the leading infectious disease doctor at the National Institute of Health. And when somebody asked him just recently how much vitamin D he takes, he says he takes 6,000 IUs, and that's international units. The prevalence of vitamin D deficiency is 42% for the general population here in America, but for African Americans, it's 82% and 70% of Hispanics. So we have a real big problem with vitamin D deficiency, especially in African Americans and Hispanics. So most insurances pay for vitamin D testing, but due to COVID-19, recently a lot of places have not resumed back regular activities. So many patients are not, uh, many people are not going to the doctor's office for fear of catching COVID. How would you get tested? Thank goodness we have the internet to help us out. If you just type in at-home testing in Google, you can get a test or you can order a test even without a physician order. Some of the testing is similar to like an AccuCheck or a blood sugar testing. And you would prick your finger and put some blood in a little tube that you would be mailing back to the location, the whatever company it is. And then they would provide you with the results uh, within a couple of days or so. So, I mean, that's an alternative, a way to get at least screened to see if your vitamin D level is low. Now, be sure you check with your doctor before you order any type of test like this. If you don't have a doctor, then go ahead and try it out. But some of these tests can get kind of pricey. I've seen a vitamin D level or is the screening to be like $99 online. So uh, you want to make sure that this is a an accurate alternative before you invest that type of money into a test of that sort. So let's hear what Dr. Josh Axe has to say about vitamin D deficiency. He is a certified doctor of natural medicine, and he's a doctor of chiropractics and a clinical nutritionist. So he is very knowledgeable about vitamin D deficiency. Let's hear what he has to say. But first and foremost, 
you know, the big thing uh, that can cause or the big symptoms you might have with a vitamin D deficiency are immune issues. If you have a weakened immune system, that could be correlated with a vitamin D deficiency. If you have candida or bacterial overgrowth, it can be caused from a vitamin D deficiency. If you struggle with, let's say, emotional ups and downs like depression and anxiety, that can be a cause. Um, hormone imbalance, major cause of vitamin D deficiency. If you have trouble putting on muscle or losing weight, those are all correlated with a vitamin D deficiency. If you have weak bones or teeth, osteoporosis or osteopenia, those are warning signs you have a vitamin D deficiency. Those are telltale signs that you may have a vitamin D deficiency. Now, what would be causing the deficiency, though? Let's hear what he has to say about that. Vitamin D is responsible for really supporting a healthy immune response, digestive health, hormone balance. And here's a key thing to remember. Vitamin D is not just a vitamin. It's also a pro-hormone. And so it's responsible for so many hormone-producing reactions within your body. You've got to have vitamin D. Now, here are the biggest causes of vitamin D deficiency. Number one is not getting enough sunlight. The sun should be your number one source of vitamin D. And we live in a world today where we live inside, especially if you're in the northern states, uh, whether it be, you know, in Canada or northern U.S. or northern Europe. But if you are not getting outside enough and not getting enough direct sunlight on your skin, that will create a vitamin D deficiency. So starting off, the majority of people are vitamin D deficient because we don't get outside enough. And the other thing can be certain chemicals, especially things that are plastic in nature, those can block vitamin D absorption. So if you're drinking out of plastic bottles uh, that have something called BPA, that's bisphenol A, that can cause vitamin D deficiency. The other thing is toxicity. If you're exposed to toxins on a regular basis, that affects the liver. And then your liver is actually responsible for producing and creating vitamin D within your body. Now we're going to hear from the top guru in vitamin D. Dr. Michael Hollick is a Boston University scientist and medical doctor. And he is the director of Vitamin D Skin and Bone Research Laboratory at Boston University. Let's see what he has to say about vitamin D deficiency. Rick, this is the tip of the iceberg because many chronic illnesses and bone diseases like osteomalacia and diabetes, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, infectious diseases, hypertension, heart disease, even common cancers have all been associated with vitamin D deficiency. Next, you will hear from Dr. Mike Hansen, and he will tell you exactly uh, how to get this uh, vitamin D from the sun. The sun's rays are both direct between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. However, the farther you live from the equator, the less UVB radiation you receive. People who live north of about 37 degree latitude can't make any vitamin D from sunlight from November to March, even if they spend all day outside bare naked. So which test is the best test in order to determine your vitamin D level? Now there's a vitamin D2 and a vitamin D3. So let's listen to Dr. Will. Dr. Wield is a practitioner and teacher of integrative medicine, and he's been doing this for about 30 years. So 
He knows a lot about vitamin D and here he is telling us about vitamin D2 and 3. There are two forms of vitamin D, D2 and D3. Um, D2 is produced by plants, um, is often added as fortification to foods, and is common in uh, vitamin supplements. Uh, D3 is produced in the skin on exposure to ultraviolet light from the sun, and it's available from some animal foods and some kinds of supplements. D3 is actually the form that's better utilized by the body. So if you're going to take supplemental D, vitamin D, I recommend taking vitamin D3. So D2 is usually prescribed by a physician or healthcare provider, and D3 is found over the counter. So you can go to any drugstore and buy a D3. But D2, you usually can't get D2 over the counter. Like you could not just go into a grocery store and just get D2 off the shelf. D2 is also given or prescribed in larger doses. So D3 can come in D3 would be in dosages like 400 IUs to uh, 10,000 IUs that you can get over the counter. But D2, you can get up to 50,000 IUs in one dose. And that's why it needs to be prescribed. And actually, D2 is an, an active form and D3 is the active form of uh, of vitamin D. Many different doctors have different ideas, uh, different philosophies of, on how to prescribe vitamin D. Most doctors or many doctors would prescribe the D2 and my doctor prescribed the D3. From what I'm reading, it may not even matter which type you, of D you would get. What really matters is getting your D level up to an adequate amount. So let's go back to Dr. Hollick again, and let's see what he has to say about uh, the Institute of Medicine's recommendations for vitamin D3, and that's the IOM, the Institute of Medicine. Let's hear what he has to say about that. It turns out that the IOM came out with its recommendations in 2010, and they're really quite remarkable because they realized that the 200 units that was originally thought all that we needed, that now most children and adults need 600 units a day. And more importantly, they recognized that it was important that you also, vitamin D is not as toxic as we once thought, and that easily 4,000 units a day for older children and adults is perfectly safe. So when I think about this, and I'm always asked by um, the press, what do I think about it? I have one word for it, wow. There's never been a nutrient that has been increased triple overnight. But the real question is, did they get it right? And indeed, in 2011, the Endocrine Society came out with its recommendations. And all of the members on this committee are experts in the field of vitamin D, and I was honored to chair this committee. And our objective was clear, and that is to help treat and prevent vitamin D deficiency and for the care of patients. The Institute of Medicine's goal was different. It was used a population model and expected medical societies to make recommendations for prevention and treatment, which is what the Endocrine Society did. And indeed, it turns out 
that the recommendations for infants is 400 to 1,000 units a day, children 600 to 1,000 units a day, and adults 1,500 to 2,000 units a day. And if you're obese, you need two to three times more vitamin D. So next we'll see what Dr. Michael Greger has to say about it. He is an infectious disease doctor and founder of the Nutrition Facts. And here he's going to talk about mushrooms, the magic mushrooms, and how we can increase vitamin D in our diet using mushrooms. Then he'll talk a little bit about D2 and D3 and which one of those he recommend as the most effective uh, D supplement. It's reasonable to assume that such mushrooms may be able to provide a source of vitamin D for those at risk for deficiency. This was only one person, though, so further studies are necessary. And finally, those studies have been done. Bioavailability of vitamin D from ultraviolet light irradiated button mushrooms in healthy adults deficient in vitamin D, a randomized controlled trial. They compared the mushrooms to vitamin D supplements, the placebo, and both the mushrooms and the supplements were equally effective in raising D levels compared to placebo. The type of vitamin D made by mushrooms, though, is vitamin D2, which is typically derived from yeast, and is the form traditionally prescribed by doctors to cure vitamin D deficiency. Most supplements, though, are D3, which is the type found in plants and animals and typically derived from sheep's wool. Back in 2008, it was established that vitamin D2 was effective as D3 in maintaining one's vitamin D levels at standard daily doses. Whether folks were given D2, D3, or a combination of half D2, half D3, it didn't seem to matter much in terms of improving vitamin D levels in their bloodstreams. But that was five years ago. What's the update? Is vitamin D2 better than vitamin D3? It apparently depends on how much you take and what your starting levels are. Taken daily in doses up to 4,000 units a day, there appears to be no significant difference in the ability of D2 or D3 to raise vitamin D levels. But if you take mega doses on a weekly or monthly basis in doses up to 50,000 units at a time, D3 works better than D2. And if you're not vitamin D deficient, if your vitamin D levels are normal, for example, you live in California, get enough sun, then D2 from mushrooms or supplements doesn't appear to raise your levels further, but if your levels are fine, why take supplements in the first place? The only reason we care about the levels in our blood is because of the benefits we expect to get from those levels, such as a longer lifespan. The latest Cochrane review on vitamin D and mortality found that while D3 supplementation may be able to reduce mortality, other forms of D, including D2, did not. This may be because most of the D2 trials used megadosing regimens up to 300,000 units injected into people. But, you know, until we have good data suggesting D2 supplementation can actually extend one's life, D3, the type of vitamin D found in animals and plants, may be preferable to vitamin D2, the vitamin derived from fungi. The best animal to get D3 from is yourself. But... If you live at a latitude where you're not able to make enough, then there are both animal and non-animal sources of vitamin D3 supplements. This was Dr. Greger back in 2008. So 
looking at the data now or the new studies that have been done, they the studies that I've seen, they have supported exactly what he just reviewed. D3 is probably superior to D2 and daily dosing is probably better than weekly and even monthly dosing. Now, getting vitamin D from the sun when you're African American is 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 limited. So basically what I want to add is that if you're African American, you're going to get less vitamin D from the sun or what I should say is that you would have to stay in the sun longer in order to get the same dose than someone that's fair-skinned. For example, if someone's fair-skinned and they're in the sun, they can get their daily dose in 10 to 15 minutes. Being African-American, we'll probably have to stay out there about 30 minutes instead of the 15 minutes. And I don't know exactly what the time frame is, but because we're dark skinned, that the sun cannot penetrate through our skin to synthesize that vitamin D. So that's why we would have to stay out there longer in order to uh, have more sun get to our through our skin in order to synthesize or make vitamin D. So let's listen to see what Dr. Axe recommends. 20 minutes to 30 minutes every single day. Hey, even if it's cold outside, getting a little bit of sun on your face and hands, it's so important for getting vitamin D. So again, number one is get sunlight 20 to 30 minutes a day. Now, apart from that, certain foods will contain small amounts of vitamin D. Number one source will be wild-caught salmon or fish. So again, getting wild-caught fish on a regular basis. Also, raw fermented milk, like a goat's milk yogurt, uh, may have small amounts of vitamin D, as will mushrooms and eggs. But again, you're going to get very small amount in diet. Those foods are good. But again, it's only small amounts of vitamin D. And then the next thing would be take a high-quality vitamin D supplement and you don't want to take vitamin D2. You do want to start taking vitamin D3. And there are many forms of this. And there are several good brands out there today. But again, you can actually take it in a capsule form. Uh, you can actually get it in a spray bottle form. But again, vitamin D is essential to take as a supplement. And for most adults, 2,000 to 5,000 IUs a day is what's recommended. Now, if you have a severe deficiency and you've gone and got a vitamin D test done, in that case, for one to two months, you might take 5,000 IUs two times a day. But again, for the days that you're not in the sun, I recommend 2,000 to 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 daily. And here's one last important thing to remember. When you are supplementing with vitamin D3, you want to take it with some fat because it's a fat-soluble vitamin. So take it with a teaspoon of coconut oil or take it with a fish oil supplement. But when you are taking vitamin D, you want to take it with some healthy fat like coconut, avocado, or uh, almond butter. You want to get it with some healthy fat because it actually improves and increases absorption there as well. So again, make sure you're getting your vitamin D. It is crucial for me. Now, all of these doctors are in agreement with the normal level for vitamin D, and that is anywhere from 40 to 60. Now, we used to think that 
30 was normal, but actually that is like borderline low, like a low normal. Now, if your vitamin D level is 20, that's that's deficient. And if it's less than 10, that's insufficient. And they, they there is a definition for insufficient versus uh, deficient. But the whole idea is you want your vitamin D level between 40 and 60. However, if it's higher than 60, that is not toxic. Some doctors even allow your blood vitamin D level to be as high as 90, 80 to 90. And that's still not toxic. Now, if you're having symptoms, then that's something that you would have to report to your doctor and and like hold your dose and call your doctor. But for the general public, a toxic level would be well over a hundred. So let's hear from the vitamin D guru, Dr. Hollick, and he was very influential in determining what the normal level of vitamin D is. So let's see if Dr. Hollick thinks, if he thinks that a vitamin D level of a hundred would be too high and would that be classified as toxic? Not really. I don't see the Baywatch babies in my clinic, but we do see some lifeguards. They're at least 110 nanograms per ml. Are they toxic? I don't think so. You don't have to worry about intoxication to over 150 nanograms per ml. So there you have it. Unless your vitamin D level is at 150, then you are not toxic generally. You wouldn't be classified as toxic. And this is just generally. And like I said, like I always say, this is not medical advice. This is just information so that you can be able to have a good conversation or discussion with your doctor about what your treatment options are for to prevent problems. So I would encourage you to sit down with your doctor or call your doctor up and and set um, and schedule an appointment so that you can discuss about getting a vitamin D level and find out if you're deficient or not. And generally, you probably will be. I would be very surprised if, if you're not on any vitamin D supplement. I would be very surprised if you're not deficient, even if you're not, even if you're Caucasian or some other race. Because like they said, this is a epidemic. How about that? Hypertension is an epidemic and vitamin D deficiency is an epidemic. And I'm going to tell you, in our clinic, we have seen many people with vitamin D deficiency. And matter of fact, I have not really, like, you know, I really haven't seen anybody that was not deficient if they're not on vitamin D, D3, D2, whatever. 
If you don't take anything else from this episode, I want you to know that the prevalence or the amount of vitamin D deficiency is is high in the United States and elsewhere. But I'm telling you, there are more than 42% of the general population, but really in African-Americans, that number is up to 80% of African-Americans that are deficient in vitamin D. And I also want you to know that um, most times they overestimate the risk of taking a supplement of vitamin D. And actually, as you heard in this podcast, the risk is really not that great to get a toxic level of vitamin D. Now, if you're getting vitamin D from the sun, that's even better because you you probably won't ever be toxic. Uh, You can't get a toxic level. But a toxic level is 150 or more nanos per milliliters. So I just want you to know that and, and know that if someone's saying that a toxic level is... 30 or 35, then um, I, you know, really, I would like for you to get a second opinion. And so the dose, I also, the last thing I want you to know, the dose that you need to get your level up to where it needs to be, uh, it will probably have to be more than a thousand IUs a day. Now, everybody's different and it may be less, but generally, according to research, a thousand IUs a day usually does not get your level up to where it needs to be. So that just take that into consideration. So that's all I have for you today. Stay tuned to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where we'll talk some more about what everybody ought to know about hypertension. Thanks for listening.